This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. You were saying that's a very familiar sound. I know. It's like almost like this conditioned reflex thing, isn't it? I haven't heard it for a few weeks, though. Oh, and it's nice to hear. Yes. And I hope for those out there in Radio Land, it's good for you to hear it too. Very, very warm and, uh, and heartfelt. Good afternoon to all the beautiful Triple R family. Matt and I, we've kind of missed you. We have. What have you been doing, you people? Have. What have you been away? It's, I've been away. It's probably too late to say Happy New Year, isn't it? Once you get yes. to February, you just sound like a dag. Yes. So we'll just move on from that. But it is our first show. Oh, I'm just going to fresh air the, totally. yeah, the Happy New Year yeah. thing. But it is... Um, oh, but we could do. Yes. And I do this to John because John's coming up in the show. Gung Hei Fa of course. Which is a, a terrible anglicised way of murdering the Chinese language and saying Happy New Year. The because year of the rooster. The cock. <laughs> and how apt. <laughs> We're not going there. We are so not touching anything that starts with the word T. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, because the start of this show, mm. it starts with the letter E. Uh, and uh, this hour is brought to you by the letter E. Uh, eating it in a good way, drinking it in a good way. And it's great to see you. How are you out there? Did you have a good summer? Are you well? What are you doing? Are you on the road? Mm. Are you cooking up lunch? <laughs> are you cooking up breakfast because you were naughty and stayed up a little <laughs> bit late? Well, whatever you're doing, um, hopefully we can uh, augment that and make it really, really beautiful. But before we do, yes. Matt, we must look back. We, we should. Must give thanks. We should, we should. We have to say a big, big thanks for... Uh, Toby Halligan, who, um, with his show, it gets better. He's, um, he's looked after this seat, and we thank you so much for, for doing that. Yes. And uh, we should also reflect and thank all the people that have done the summer fills for this summer. Some this good period. shows over the summer. It was excellent to hear them. Damn straight. Mm. Um, so big thanks to you, Toby, if you're listening. Uh, today's show, um, what we're going to do quickly is uh, talk about what I did or what we did on our summer holidays. Yes. Sort of like, you know, you get back to school and, and you've got the to do English the show teacher and goes, yes, or yes. just write the essay. Mm. Oh, God, really, I have to. <laughs> Thank God I've got new Barter Scouts on. Um, Rosemary Stanton will, uh, will join us. And she's going to be showing us um, how to lose weight mm. with this one weird trick. Right. Not that that's clickbait or anything. No, <laughs> no, no. She's uh, she's going to be doing the actual opposite. She's uh, we're going to sort of have a chat about a lot of people, um, not only throughout the year, but especially this time of year. It's the time of year, isn't it, where you go right? I'm going to sort myself out for 2017. And I want a magic bullet. Yes. Is it goji berry? Is it chia seeds? Is it chia seeds? No, it's not. Kale. Yes. Have we reached peak kale? <laughs> Um, so, um, the great thing about Rosemary Stanton is, as a nutritionist, I think she's one of the best straight shooting, non-compromised, um, fabulous people around. Cuts through the bullshit very Cuts well. Cuts through the bullshit. So, looking for the magic bullet, tell them they're dreaming. Um, Max Allen. Ah, yes. The redoubtable one, as I think we put on our Facebook page. Uh, now writing in the uh, Australian Financial Review. Yes. Joins us. He's been a wine writer for as long as I've been doing this show. He's been around for many, many years. He certainly has. Redoubtable. Yes. God, he knows his stuff. Knows his wine. So he's told us to bring in some glasses, which we just go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> hallelujah. Um, so he'll join us uh, at the end of the show because it's always a good idea to do uh, the thinking drinking part as the last segment. Yes. This is something we've learned over the years of doing this show. This is true. Uh, John, of course, uh, will be in. And um, that's the show for uh, for this very, very first show of the year of Eat It. Now, um, the new year. Yes. First of all, we should. Uh, I wanted to mention the fact... Oh, first of all, what did you do over your, your holidays? Did any notable sort of things that you... Uh, any events that might have happened to you we, we that had, you did? We had one moderate life event. Yeah, what was and that? I think you were there. We got married. Oh, yes! That was good fun. That was that was actually rather sensational. I'm just uh, getting used to Matt wearing this, this, this ring. I mean, if, it, if, if it clinks up against the microphone. Yes, Matt, Matt and Nicole now uh, now married, even though uh, they've been going out together for the length of this show ever <laughs> since I've known you guys. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, fabulous, fabulous. Um, uh, the nuptials. Yes. God, I love that word. Nuptials. Uh, were happening at uh, Madame Brussels. Yes. And it was officiated by 
Triple R's own Mr. John Von Goh. The, was the greatest really... celebrant in the free world. Yes, I would agree with that. Just quite simply, if you're thinking of getting married, Johnny Von Goh's. Yes. He'll marry you in a purple suit. He'll come in with his vintage briefcase from yes. the 70s. And he's just a class act. He he really, really is. But I would like to say that over the my summer holidays, yes. what did I do? Highlights, culinarily-wise, mm-hmm. spring rolls. Really? Did some spring rolls. You did your own springies? Yeah, man. And I think we should do a spring roll little thing at your place soon. Okay. Uh, gyoza. Right. Gyoza. You know what's yes. great about making gyoza, folks? And it's this is one of the wonderful things about cooking in that... This year, the end of... 2016 was a bitch, wasn't it? Let's, mm. let's just tick, yep. tick that Take off. that. Just lot, kick it. Kick lot, it one a lot of people time. dying. Um, there was an ascendancy which is just horrifying for yes. the world, which we're not going to name. No. Because it's like sort of Voldemort in a way uh, these days. Uh, but the great thing, one of the wonderful things about food, not only does it bring people together, but mindfulness. Mm. Zen. Yes. You can reach a Zen state when you start. Rolling up spring rolls, yes, and, and or making pasta, so, yeah, you say or with, making gyoza. With making pasta, it's quite meditative. You just it go, is, ah. it is. So mm. if the world's bringing you down, listen to this show, and hopefully we'll uh, inspire you to do some things. But I made some uh, some beautiful gyoza, yes. lots of fun. Parmesan biscuits. I sort of got um, a recipe and finally really, really nailed it. Mm. And I put little bits of green chili, slices of mm. green chili, and someone. Matt. Hello, Matt. Another Matt. Not me. Uh, when I brought them out, he looked at them and he's, I don't know, part of the, the marketing department of this thing because he's kind of brilliant. He went, ah, oh, dragonize. <laughs> and I went, yeah. <laughs> you dragonized your biscuits. Dragonize. It's sort of Game of Thrones biscuits. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, that was kind of cool. Big discovery. Um, you know, that's the wonderful thing. I guess when I was 21 years old, I knew mm-hmm. everything. Yes. Were you the same? Most 21-year-olds are, yes. Yeah, man. Insufferable. Yeah. Insufferable. Some would say we still are. Some would. Some <laughs> Some may say. Some say. But the one thing that I've sort of worked out is the more that I know, the less than I know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a great thing about getting older. Maturity. Mm. Some say. Uh, wisdom. Knowledge plus experience. Um, but one, uh, this thing that I discovered was about uh, <laughs> three or four months ago, I had a, a penny, a matrociano at dock in Ligon yes. Street. Yes. And, and the... And the texture of this, of this, of this sort of bacony stuff in there it was sort of yielding and giving. It was different from bacon, which is sort of um, not so much chewy, but um, a bit more brittle, shall yes. we say? Guanjali. Guanjali. Uh, Guanjali. And it's a salumi that comes from the, the jaw. And I'm, anyway, I made this carbonara from it, which I've found out since that some say, it's like, hey. If you're thinking of doing a carbonara without guanciale, you're not a real person. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, uh, wow, uh, what a revelation it is. And I've still got about 300 grams of it back at home. So, uh, Napoli with uh, guanciale. And that, so, that great Australian debate, do you put cream in the carbonara? No. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> Stop it. I knew you wouldn't. Um, no, that's uh, that's an aberration and you'll have a whole bunch of Italians uh, lining Beating up at your door, door to yes. slap you. What are you thinking of? Go, they go like this. Ow! And then they wave their fingers and they go, okay, we go now. We're going to come back. <laughs> Don't you do that. Um, now, uh, word of the year from Macquarie. This is an interesting thing. This uh, is for last year, presumably. They haven't, they haven't called 2017 yet. Oh, you are good. Yes, okay. Thank you. Just, just, just Thanks, man. Context. It's Contextual. Yeah, yes. 2016, word of the year, according to the Macquarie Dictionary, the Australian Macquarie Dictionary, yes. um, is Halal Snack Pack. Okay. We'll just let that sink in. But as you pointed out, that's not really a word. That's just three words. That's a name of something. It's a phrase, isn't it? Look, it's a delicious thing. It's good. It's and a it, wonderful it, thing, but it's not a word. And it was contentious because I think our, our Pauline said, oh, I don't want to have yes, any of that. Only with some idiots up north. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Mm. Oh, sighs. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to be hearing a lot more sighs on Triple R. <laughs> In 2017, apologies in advance, but, dear listener. But we keep optimistic. Yeah. We keep, you know, that's because otherwise, what is, what is this, the, the state of humanity? I mean, well, you know, what's the sense of getting out of bed, you yeah. know? So, yes, that's what we're going to do. Um, apparently, um, a friend of mine said that um, the coffee spritzer is a thing. Coffee spritzer? Yeah, coffee come and come tonic again. water. No. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh. Thank you, Uncampion, for that. We haven't tried one. 
Um, we look for it. Um, Coffee spritzer. Yes. Favorite. Okay, just move on. It's okay, just okay. put it behind you. Move mm. on as we do. Favorite book over summer mm. um, was a thing called Taquera. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. By Paul Wilson. Paul mm. Wilson's take on Mexican food. Ah, right. Um, it's really, really good. Mm. It's um, it takes liberties with some ingredients. Like it's not. Mm, you know, Mexican, Mexican, Mexican. Yes. But then that's a great Australian thing. We like, um, what do we like? Magpies that, you know, take a bit from here, a bit from there. Bowerbirds. Yes. Like, <laughs> using the bird analogy of cooking. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but it's great. Yes. And um, uh, it made for a really, really great New Year's feast. Yes, right. Where we had, um, we did a whole bunch of tacos. Oh. Which was great. Fish tacos. Yeah. Cooked with uh, turmeric and dill. Nice. Awesome. It's good weather for that sort of food uh, whilst it's a bit warm outside too. Yeah. Um, and also, what did I take from, from that? I took a salsa that was cucumber and dill. Oh. Cucumber sort of brunoise, dill chopped up, That's lime like, juice. It's almost like a tzatziki sort of flavour. Oh, easy, buddy. There's no fat in there. Yeah. Z- Zaziggy's got all that fat and This is acidy. How's it go? That's sort of, uh, if we were looking for a tone of, yes. of that thing. But uh, that's something that can be uh, recommended. And I guess another one of the highlights of um, the year was helping Seb and Derv down at Craft & Co. making Artemis Cherry Gin. I've seen a lot of that Artemis Gin on my Facebook feed, so they're making a lot of it. They're shipping a lot of it, and they're doing their cherry gin. That's what I just said. I know. <laughs> 100 kilos of cherries. What? One pippa. No, actually, we all, each one had a pippa. It was, it was, it was very manual, manuel labor, using oh, the Mexican analogy. Did you use the pippa? Because I think there was I also, because there was also the school of thought that because you're going to smash the cherries anyway, you could just mush the cherry and get the pippa out without having to have the. Yeah, but you're damaging the fruit. Yeah, mm. I don't know. The, the pippas worked really well. Yeah. Anyway, um, what's coming up? We wanted to talk about, uh, oh, the garlic festival. Yes. That is on. In a couple of weeks' time. Yes. And I have the website open. He says padding for time. It's in East Gippsland, and it's going to be happening on Saturday, the 18th of February, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. The good news is that uh, we've got Alejandro Sarieva from Pastuzzo. Uh, oh, he's ex Heston Blumenthal. I'd forgotten yeah. about that. Um, and... Uh, Penny Richard, Woodward? Yes. Go on, Matt. What do you want MC'd to say? by our good friend Richard Cornish. Yeah. Who will do an excellent job, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, it looks like a uh, a good event. So if you're keen, just, I think you've just Googled Garlic Festival. Yes. If you get to the Minion Garlic Festival uh, in South Gippsland, you are in the right place. And I just did the Google Maps things. It's two hours away from beautiful downtown East Brunswick. Um, yes. What else did I want to say? Oh, we have one more thing just wanted to mention very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastuzzo has uh, taken over, um, has invaded the old auntie on Burke Street. Right. The Windsor Hotel now has a pop-up. So on that Burke Street corner, you can, there's a cevicheria uh, from Pastuzzo. Yeah, right. And it's really, really good because it's a really, really good location, uh, great drinks, and the prices aren't stupid. So I think I put out something on Facebook said, uh, recommended by 12.15, we need to go and have a chat to Rosemary Stanton. We do. This is Eat It. We are back. We do thank Toby Halligan again for looking after the show. Matt and I are delighted to be here on the thing. Look at that, grabbing the phone. It's all going to happen. Rosemary Stanton, we're going to lose weight with this weird trick after this. Triple R is the place that you are at, and why wouldn't you be, you evolved kind of people? Um, speaking of evolved and fantastic, Rosemary Stanton is on the line, and we say a very, very good, good afternoon to her. Good afternoon, Rosemary. Hi, Cam. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. Bit hot. <laughs> oh, I've, I've heard, and uh, our commiserations to you. Um, yeah. We've been kind of blessed down here. It's been kind of a gentle... Uh, a gentle sort of summer, and I've got Max Allen, who's uh, the redoubtable wine writer from the AFR, who's going to be talking a little bit about vintage uh, at the moment. But uh, we're here to talk to you because the great thing about you, Rosemary, is you're able to tell us how to lose weight by just using this weird trick. Uh, yeah, uh, in, in your dreams. In your dreams. <laughs> I tell them they're dreaming. Unfortunately, they are. Look, there is no fancy trick, otherwise somebody would have found it. doesn't stop people trying, though. So there's uh, endless books and detox packages you can now buy from your local pharmacy. 
and all your health food shop and all this sort of weird, off from the internet, all these weird and wonderful things people hope will help. And Unfortunately, uh, they, they may, some of them, some of these detox things will help you lose weight temporarily, but they won't help you lose fat. They just mean you go to the toilet an awful lot and they contain diuretics and, and uh, laxatives. And so you sit there and don't do yourself any good by doing that. And, but when you get up, you're a bit lighter, but um, that's yeah. about it. And, and maybe the crossword's done because you've been able to sit there for, for long. But isn't it strange <laughs> that uh, one thing that I do notice is that looking at the net, you see some usually a strange photo of some food that most people don't know about. And I think for the North Americans for a while there, it was a photo of a finger lime um, saying, <laughs> you know, lose weight with this weird, with this one weird trick. And... And it does go to that in that we have been looking for this panacea. We look for an easy way out. And for some of us, it was chia seeds, some goji berries. It doesn't work yeah, well, like it that, does it? South, if it comes from South America, it's been very popular. So 2015, 16, South, anything from South America yeah. sort of um, made it. And because you weren't likely to have heard of it. I think, you know, most of those things have probably now been heard of. Um, so that, you know, they've, they've lost a little bit of their appeal, certainly for weight loss, although they still supposedly sort of cure cancer and everything else you can think of. Mm. Uh, on that note, uh, one of the things that people have all been frantically doing is eating turmeric. Oh, turmeric, yes, turmeric. that's, that's, the, that's yeah, a, a well, turmeric, yes, that's the new one, isn't it? Yes, well, that's the new one, but uh, someone has actually just done a review of 120 trials which really cast doubt on uh, the fact that these, the turmeric is going to cure cancer. Certainly the active ingredient in turmeric, when people take it out and give it in high concentrated doses, it actually, if you do a double-blind placebo-controlled trial, unfortunately it doesn't show any impact on health. And people have spent, um, so far, just the, the total the spent on research is about $150 million <laughs> spent on researching turmeric, and unfortunately... It hasn't shown anything. It won't do you any harm, and yeah. at least it, it's not expensive. So yeah. if people say to me, uh, look, I've got some form of cancer, do you think I should eat turmeric? I say, look, it won't do you any harm. I, I, I don't tell them it's not going to do any good, but Real good, yeah. it doesn't cost a lot. No one's ripping you off. So I don't object to people trying things in case they might help if nobody's going to rip them off. Uh, and it's uh, not going to, you know, cost them a, a heap or do them any harm. And certainly if people want to eat turmeric, it's, it's a component of curry. It makes curry powders go yellow. Um, and the curry itself and some of the other spices might be useful. But if you're going to take concentrated tablets and pay some uh, person on the internet a huge amount for it, skip it. In fact, usually if you pay enormous amounts for something on the internet, you sh your red flag should go up <laughs> and then you should go out. You know, and straight away and think, is this going to be worth it? Um, and, and so really there is no magic. And I know it's not what people want to hear no. and doesn't sell anything, but unfortunately what we do know and what the research is absolutely showing it is people eat more fruit and vegetables, more whole grains, then that will reduce their risk. It won't cure anything. It won't necessarily prevent anything, but it certainly reduces the risk. And that's about as much as we can truthfully say that something will reduce your risk. If you don't smoke, you get some exercise, you have this healthy diet, lots of fruit and vegetables and plant-based foods, basically. And food um, without and, numbers, as we could yeah, say. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And one of the trends that I think we are seeing this year, we've just seen something that made me very happy, and that was that sales of soft drinks have dropped uh, because people are concerned about sugar. Mm. And although I don't, um, as you know, I don't believe in absolutes for anything, I don't think um, no. no one should ever have another piece of chocolate cake or another ice cream. Certainly in this weather up here, we need the ice cream. Um, but it, too much sugar is bad. And so one of the messages that seems to have got through is about the sugar in soft drinks. Mm. And so soft drink sales are way down. So sometimes good happens. And I actually think that there's going to be a lot of emphasis put on sugar this year. We've, of course, since our very first dietary guidelines, told people to limit how much sugar they have or avoid eating too much of it. It yes. doesn't mean none. It does mean less. And that's one good message that seems to sort of be getting through a bit. So, you know, maybe we keep plugging away, we'll get the right message across. Well, it, it, it just keeps coming through. And this is why we keep coming back to you, Rosemary, and the fact that it is all about moderation. Like, for me personally... I probably have two cans of Coca-Cola a year. 
And usually when yeah. it's over 40 degrees, you can have a Coke in it. It, it can be quite nice. Um, but yeah, look, it's, it's certainly not everyday food. Yeah, two cans a day would be a problem. Two cans a year is not a problem. You can have everything, you know, anything occasionally. Uh, but that's not the way people want to do it. They want an all-or-nothing approach. Now, sometimes it does help some people. I'm perfectly happy to accept that um, if you look at the Peter Fitzsimons uh, example where he decided to go totally off alcohol and totally off sugar right. and he's lost about 40 kilograms... I, I don't think most people need to do that, and it won't work for everybody, but it worked for him, and he didn't go off having no carbs or having... He also said, don't eat so much fast food, don't eat so much rubbish. Um, so if you want to go off anything, going off sugar and alcohol won't do you any um, any damage. Mm. Uh, it might do you some good, but for some people, once they go off something, they then get a craving for it afterwards, and they think, oh, I've got to have some, and then back. they pig out. Yep. So if... if it really depends on the individual it works for some people. We've got to look at what works for you. But don't go off good stuff. I mean, this year we've had people all saying, I can't have anything with gluten in it. Now, if you've got celiac disease Fair or enough. you really have an adverse reaction to gluten, then, okay, go off it. But if you just think that maybe this sort of sounds healthier in some way, uh, unfortunately that's not true. So for one in a 100 people who have celiac disease, yes, they absolutely must go off gluten. There's a small number of other people who it probably not the gluten, but certainly something in some foods, including wheat, that um, does seem to, you know, give them an upset tummy. Okay, then, then, you know, they only need to have less, not none. But for the rest of us, really, it is not gluten. Don't pin your hopes on suddenly getting healthy and certainly don't think you'll get thin um, if you avoid gluten. Uh, what you need to do, basically, and my advice always is, give up the junky things that include gluten, which includes lots of the gluten-free pancakes and lollies and confectionery and stuff that's around um but you know unless you've got a real reason to don't give up the whole meal the whole wheat things and the rolled oats and you know all those good foods that are really quite good for you can i add something to that a lot of people there is a view being expressed that uh, people that have uh, say an intolerance to some wheat shall we say maybe that might be a good way to sort of um, flag this that if they eat a really, really good sourdough-started bread, they will be able to digest it a lot easier than some factory um, white bread, white square sliced bread, shall we say. Well, the thing about a good sourdough bread is that it, it is um, left to... The, the dough is left to rise over a long period of time. Extended period, And when yeah. that happens, it, it alters the starch grain granules. Mm. So the starch granules form big, long skinny chains mm -hmm. which take much longer to digest whereas in many modern packaged breads in fact pretty well all modern packaged breads um, they use these things called rapid dough rises which means the dough rises in about five minutes and the starch granules form all these little chains and so when you eat that bread it is broken down digested very very quickly whereas a genuine sourdough takes much longer to be digested. In other words, it's not going to flood you with all the components uh, nearly as quickly as the modern bread. So I think that's the clue. It's in the starch. And um, I remember a guy who used to make, remember the old original Vogel's bread? I do. In the 1980s, a baker in New Zealand told a whole lot of us at a dietary fibre conference that one day he said, you scientists will find out that there's something in the slow fermentation of a genuine old bread um, that really changes uh, what happens to you when you eat it. And he said, I know it, because he said, I know it changes the nature of the starch when I'm baking the bread. Done. And years later, of course, we find out that uh, this slow digestion gestion is really quite beneficial. And so it's the rapid dough rises in those breads that's the problem. And the only way you can be sure you're getting um, a bread that's going to be you know, had, had the long, slow rising, is to buy something that's genuinely sourdough. You've got to watch out, though, because some of the packaged breads use sourdough flavouring. And um, <laughs> the great thing is that it's like a lot of these things, the Italians seem to have known this for a very, very long time. <laughs> Rosemary, we're going to have to run because uh, we've got things to do. We are delighted to uh, to have you on the show as being the first, you're the first segment of the, for the year. So thank you very, very much for, for joining us for that. And we look it's forward to and we look forward to chatting to you uh, throughout the year. Thank you, Rosemary. And may cool weather come to you soon. And a bit of rain, please. Cam, and a rain. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll do a double order. Matt, can <laughs> yeah. you take care of that? We'll rustle it up. All right, we're going to yeah. do that. Rosemary, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Cam.
Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Rosemary. Mm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, listeners to Eat It, You Evolve Creatures, it's time for, uh, well, it's a little bit of music to let your little hip shake. And it goes something like this. All right, John, we're rolling, and the first thing I've got to say to you, what do you put that hammer down? <laughs> first thing, is that what I'm saying? <laughs> he got a fright because he got did. this hammer. It's 70 years old. It's got a handle made out of um, old water pipe. It was used in a foundry in South Melbourne. It's a bit of galvy, and it's yeah. uh, it's such a weapon because it's quite <laughs> quite long. No one will steal it because it's too heavy. Anyway, good yeah. morning. What what an intro. It's like, God, why do you put the hammer down? Um, <laughs> Gung hei fa choi. Yeah, that... Happy New Year. Yeah, New Happy New Year. Year. Yeah. Um, I'm just seeing the uh, the market around the car park. That's not really a car park. Where they have sort well, of It's a festival. mall today. It's, it's not a, not it's a car a mall. park. It's a mall. Uh, it's very festive. Uh, not, a, not a lot of food vans like last week. I don't think there's any food vans, but there's uh, a couple of barbecue tents and um, yes. these spiral potatoes and stuff out there. Still beautiful food around the market. Indeed. And I have to wish you Happy Year of the Cock. Thank you. That's all right. And a big one too. Thank you. Moving right along, um, first of all, how are you? You seem in, in rude good health today. Yeah, I got a little bit of sleep last night, even though the par- uh, neighbours party to half past one, two o'clock. Oh, yeah. But um, I was tired when I went to bed, and so I slept. And were, they, were they playing bad music? Yeah, pretty average, yeah. Pretty average, yeah. Oh, well. But uh, this morning we, we've come in, and with a bit of vigour, we've set up and we're ready to go. And it's cooler and it's, it's kinder yeah, to it's the produce lovely, today, yes. isn't it? It's, it's, it's good to the produce, good for the people. Everyone's chilled out, ready to shop. So okay. there's a few people walking around. Yep. We'll wait for the bang to come later on in the afternoon. Yeah, when everyone wakes up and goes, hey, it's cooler, I'm going to go get some... Uh, Get some lovely food. Um, I think, first of all, let's just start with um, John has a place. If you've been under a rock and you've, this is the first time you're listening, hi, how you going? Nice to have you along. Um, but the place is called Tomato City. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's about seven different varieties that John wants to have a chat about. It's his mastermind subject. Uh, over to you, John. Tomatoes, how are they? They're terrific. How, how's the season been, first of all? Because we, we're very, very slow. Normally, we judge that by the arrival of the sauce tomatoes, and they're about eight weeks behind. Yeah, and that's interesting because I'm going to have Max Allen, a uh, very well-known wine writer, uh, and uh, I've been talking to a few uh, people around the vineyards. We're about, on average, about two weeks behind what we were last year. So that yeah. vindicates the whole yeah. thing. It's been yeah, a very yeah. gentle, long ripening sort of a summer, isn't it? Yeah. Well, see, normally we get a. Um, a little bit of cool weather while they're flowering, then uh, a bang of hot weather and the flowers grow, the tomatoes come on, they give them water and food, and we get a beautiful crop. But it was all backwards this year, so... But we're getting there. We're getting there. Now, as you see, I've got seven varieties here. There's another three or four I haven't brought over because they're the normal ones. Um, we're blessed because we we've got blessed. so many different varieties. Uh, we'll start with this one. This one's an Oxheart Quarter de Boya. Have a feel of that. A little bit softer than a normal tomato, but it's a very fleshy, very little seed, very juicy, very red, very sweet tomato. Paste tomato? Paste. When they're green, they're very nice to have in a salad. Yeah. When they're riper, they're beautiful to throw in a fry pan or make some sauce with it. To describe this for someone, it's a little bit like a Roma. We all sort of yes. know what a Roma yes. is. That's the plum-shaped tomatoes. Yes. But it's got these little dimples inside this, it, This one it? has... Um, it's like if, you was, if it was smiling at you, its cheeks would be all That's dimples. right, yes. Yeah. And they've got that nice look. Nice colour. Um, some of them can be quite robust, um, quite firm and quite fat, short and fat. Mm. Then we've got another cousin of it. Oh, what do you use this for? Um, this for? Well, like I said, I like to eat them when they're a li- half green. It's yeah. probably the only tomato I'll eat half green. Or I chop them in half from in a fry pan. Yeah. Beautiful to throw in the oven as well and, and um, dry them up a little bit. Smoked paprika. Yeah, yeah. it works. I like, I like And this is another one which we very rarely see because my Doncaster grower went to the um, seed merchant and got a whole lot of plants. Um, he wanted black Russians, he wanted the uh, Oxarts, and occasionally he'll find a real San Masana, which is the old-style Roma. Uh, very long, elongated, with a little tip on the bottom like a nipple without it being is. too rude. No, and it, it's um, the best way to describe it. It is. It does look like a Roma. Yeah, and a little yeah. sort of... All over the world, doesn't matter what language people speak, they will ask you for a San Masana because they are w- worldwide known. Best source, best paste. 
And I was going to say, if you uh, sometimes if you are looking for a tin tomato, you want the king of tin tomatoes. It's got to be a San Marzano, yeah. Definitely, they've got sugar texture. Not as many seeds as a normal Roma. We got a normal Roma here. This yep. is a modern variety because they're harder on the skin, a little bit higher in the acid. Mm. Uh, in the 70s up to the 80s, we had the old style. Growing in Victoria, the best tomato out of anything that I had on the stall that you could have eaten. Uh, softer skin, juicy, sweet. You could smell a tomato before you got to it. When you cut it in half, the smell and the flavour would knock you over. Gone mm. by the wayside because people want a harder tomato. Rather tragic. Rather tragic. That is kind of tragic. But we do have the Romas. And um, can I just sidestep just very, very quickly... When are you going to make the passata? When's, when's tomato day for you? Very, very soon. It because is soon. The, the first batch, uh, the real batch, came out this week. Mm. So we'll wait another week or two because the first ones are always ordinary. Mm. And then, uh, you know, they get better. So very soon. Tomorrow morning we're pulling all the bottles out, giving them another rinse. Um, How many bottles? I, I think we're going to do enough for two to three years. So we'll probably do about 700. <laughs> Say that again. 700. <laughs> my my family has been drinking it. We use four beer bottles, which is three quarters of a litre. Yeah. So we're using three to four litres of sauce a week. Whoa. So, you know, that's why we're all little, uh, well, not little, but healthy fat Italians, mate. Uh, Australian Italians. Yes, yes, and I thank you for your greeting for me yesterday, saying you'd, I'd gotten fat over summer. <laughs> Thanks for that, man. <laughs> hey, listen, yeah. I had to say that because I put on weight too. Uh, okay. so it takes one to know one. That's yeah. right. You Good got on. it. All right, now let's get Black back Russian. to this. Black Russian. Yeah. Now, this week we've only got one variety. These came out of Geelong, <coughs> believe it or not. They've got plasticky glues. They grow them down there. Um, this is not round and not flat. Last week I had three different varieties. One black one was on the vine. One was a flat variety and one was a round variety. And every one is different. Mm. One's sweeter, one's stronger, one's crunchier. And you gave me some that was shaped a little bit like kidneys. Oh, and uh, they're, they're, they're what we call a throwback. Yeah, yeah, they're a little bit of a bastard. Or yeah, they look horrible. Yeah, but, but more sugar, more juice. More sugar, more juice. And what I did was I sliced them. And it was um, each one of the slices I put a little bit of salt, a little bit of basil, then put another slice on top of that. Salt, basil, and let that And a sit. little drizzle of oil. Yes, yes, yes. That's see, all see. you yeah, need. Yeah, yeah. That's all I need. No vinegar. And I just let them sit there for about um, 20 minutes while You let I'm... them wait? Yeah, no, because because I did something amazing um, in that uh, I made a carbonara. Oh, yeah. But with guanjali. Oh, beautiful. Oh, my God. Ah. Uh, guanjali. Different type of salumi. Anyway, I'm digressing. What's the next one you've got? All right, we've got the ugly Doncasters. We've got pretty ones as well. But these... What um, of them? Bad shape. You know, there's always a problem with a plant. Um... And they come a bad shape. This got a little bit of a line, like a homegrown. Not all your tomatoes are pretty. You always get an ugly one. So yeah. same with the Doncaster. Same with people. Same with people. God made mistakes with people too, not just vegetables. <laughs> mate. Really? Really. So now this is a harder skin, uh, firmer tomato, yeah. more acid, knock you over flavour. Sometimes they've got green seeds. I can't handle them when they're green. Yeah. My customers love them. Well, me too. Yeah, so there you I go. Can, We're I all can still eat them as long as I eat them early, and I love a salad like that. And I think it was uh, Stephanie Alexander years ago that was first started talking about, as a skippy, uh, green-shouldered tomatoes. Yeah. You know, slightly yeah, acid. Yeah. Last one you got. Last hey, one. Adelaide. Rouge, Rouge de, de Marmont. Marmont. This, um, See, I know been, these by now. Yeah. This has been picked two weeks. the last of the crop. Mm. It was picked green. It's colouring up. Not as good as it was mid-season, but still very, very edible. And so, just to describe that for the for the listeners out there, this is the one, the, the wrinkly one. It's yeah. also known as an Adelaide tomato. Yeah. Um, and this one we also call the ugly ones. It is an ugly one, and um, as you said to me once, there's no better one than to just slice up and put it on a nice slice of white bread, good white bread, yep. um, and just some butter. And yep. That's it. It's good. That's now, it. we've only got about a minute left, John, and we are going to get back to you next week, and uh, we're going to have a chat. What's your pick of the market? Pick of the market, all right. Something we don't normally talk about, zucchini. We've got the normal zucchini green variety. Mm. This one's a little bit bigger than I'd like. It's probably about uh, 10, 12 centimetres long. Normally we like them a little bit smaller because the smaller ones are sweeter. And we've got a white one. Now, um, slightly variegated. We call these Lebanese, but the Maoris try to tell me they've been growing them for 600 years. We don't know what we're talking about. The white. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Maoris are telling you. Yeah, that. really? Yeah, yeah. You ask one, mate. Okay, hey, bro. All right. 
Yeah, um, been for centuries, bro. Yeah, now th- these are only about, um, yeah, about six or seven centimetres long. They're small. Size of a finger. Yeah, uh, so- length of a yeah, finger. Yeah, length of a finger. What we do is these, we slice them, batter them and fry them. The um, um, Lebanese and that they and the Greeks they hollow out the middle and fill it up with stuffing and, and bake them or fry them. Which is a good way to get rid of the marrows. Once yeah. your zucchinis turn into marrows and they lose their flavour, yeah? They're, yeah, they're a little bit um, sweeter mm. than the normal one. And then green beans, well, I think we sold out of green beans that come out of Victoria. They were just so they vibrant. They were amazing. Uh, yeah, you got some, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Vibrant colour. Yeah. Um, Beautiful flavour, and they smelt good too. Sometimes beans got no smell, they had a beautiful and, smell. And they were green and almost shiny. They just yeah. said, come to me and eat me. Last pick of the market. Last pick of the market. Sultana grapes, the little ones like a raisin, the way God made grapes, a natural grape. They're golden colour, they're sweet. Earlier in the week we had them $8, but we've dropped the price small. Little spheres of sunshine. Yeah. We dropped the price today to $6 to Six? clean up. Okay. Yep. They'll come cheaper every day as the sun shines. They'll get riper. More will come in the market. They'll be cheaper. Get out there. Try the grapes. Then there's a the hybrid varieties which cost more money. Nothing wrong with them either. They are so sweet. As usual, there's so much fruit, so much vegetable out there. It's embarrassing. So get out there. Pick the eyes out of the market. Go home and cook up a storm. Live life like a king. La dolce vita. La dolce vita. And, and this is it, folks. We haven't even really even touched the... We've just skimmed over the... Have it, okay, one more. Just one more. one more before I go because this is so exciting and it's something that I miss out when I am uh, put the show to bed. Fiche. There's figs. What? Yeah, there's figs Have out there. I haven't had any yet. Right, I saw some beautiful trays of black ones. All right, well, that's going to be our homework. We'll talk to you about it next week. I want to talk about figs, huh? Yes, yes, definitely. John, delight to see you. We'll Happy talk to you. Hey, Gung Hei Fatshui. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Archie, thank you, buddy. Yeah. Triple R is the station that you're at, and uh, Matt Steadman, across from me, is back. Yes, making the first mistake for 2017. We would normally play the, really? thinking, the thinking drinking theme here, but I forgot to cue it. You did a mea culpa. Like an iriot. God, you're good. What an iriot. And uh, thinking drinking theme would have been wonderful to uh, well, introduce it, our fine it, guest. <laughs> uh, Let's but, drink. But, uh, Let's drink, everybody. Max Allen, welcome Hi. to 3RRR. How Hi. you doing? Hi! Uh, what did you do in your summer holidays? Drank. Good. Lots, well, lots and lots and lots. Uh, cocktails. Uh, Actually, I'll tell you what, we got into cocktails. My son is 18. Oh, so it's like and, it's cool. Uh, we can do this now. Yeah. Oh, he's Legally. so into it. He's so, we uh, gave him the Everly cocktail book. Have you <gasps> come across that? Y- yes. Of course. Well, of course, uh, he was on the show. For Christmas, and we've just been basically working our way through, you know, as, <laughs> every evening, five o'clock. Right, who wants a cocktail? Really? And, oh, yeah, no, he's really into it. And um, so we've been uh, experimenting with some pretty amazing things. In fact, cocktails generally, I've just been really enjoying at the moment. Have you been to Above Board on Smith Street yet? Uh, not yet. Oh, check it out. It's a really tiny, it's, a, it's in that kind of tradition of Tokyo cocktail bars. And there's nothing on the wall. It's really simple. Mm. And everybody just sits around the bar mm. watching their cocktail being made. Beautiful. Really, really, really smart. So karaoke? Probably. Do you have I Japanese business, businessmen doing tie yellow ribbon around I the old oak the tree in a drunken way? Early shift. Oh, early shift. <laughs> Cocktails are a little bit like music. They are. In that um, some of the most uh, – we think about a chord. When we, when we strike a chord either on a, on a stringed instrument or something, we usually talk about three main notes – Cocktails can be kind of similar to that, can they not? Music and, and booze can sort they of can. confluate. And in, in the hands of, a, of a, uh, a good musician or a good composer, a Paco you, can, Pena. you can put those chords together and you can just tweak them by putting a fourth note in. Oh, yes, yes, or, the fourth. Or diminishing that Diminished. fourth note or in, in augmenting it. Or, or a minor and we all start weeping because right. there's too much no, no, gin. You're right. and, and, and a good cocktail maker knows exactly how to strum that instrument yeah. to bring out the best in the, each chord. But, but it is quite true. Are there, um, have you... What is this? A, a, I can bullshit better than you, or what? No, no, it's just <laughs> don't, don't be like that. Don't be like no, that. No, no, Max. I'm, you I'm, just I'm got t- on. 
And it's funny you should say that, actually, because yeah. one of my favourite inst- um, instrumentalists is Chris Thiele. He's the great mandolin player. Chris so Thiele. 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 T-H-I-E-L-E. Yes. American guy. Um, known for his, you know, he's a prodigy. He's a great mandolin player. Mm. Known for his bluegrass. Um, he plays in Punch Brothers. People will have heard on this station many times. Yes. Also records Bach. and like, He's a, he's an absolute hell. genius. Well, he's, he's also a huge polymath. fan of cocktails. He's and he views making a cocktail in, in a musical way. He sees it as putting these notes together so you're, you're absolutely bang on <laughs> <laughs> I can discover let's talk about uh, vintage 2017 um, how would we characterise it back to normal back. is kind of how we'd characterise yes. it certainly in this part of the world south southeastern Australia hen and chicken and hen and chicken well I don't know there's probably a bit of hen and chicken out there what, what I mean by back to normal is when I started when I started back in the day in the wine industry in, yes. in Victoria in the early 90s mm. End of January, early February, you wouldn't even be thinking about coming back from your holidays yet. No, no. You know, because nothing would be ripe. Winemakers are just whittling sticks. That's right. You, mm. you know, you, I'm, I'm obviously exaggerating, but and so in I. the last 20 years, because thanks to global warming and a number of other factors, mm. that vintage date has come right forward. And people crept, crept, last crept. year, at this time of year, they were doing February, it. They were in the middle of it. Every And everything. Oh, sorry. Easy. Come easy. Easy. <laughs> well, you're getting all excited, Max. But it, it seemed that everything had just ripened altogether. Absolutely. It was crazy. That, that was one of the things about an earlier vintage. Yeah. When, when everything ripens, it all, for the last couple of years, everything's been ripening together, which is a nightmare and if bl- you're a winemaker. The blue-ass flies in the winery. Because just work, work. normally your early ripening grape varieties like Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, ripen Whack them through. early. Yeah, no <laughs> worries. Your middle ripening. And then you know got that room. you've got another six or eight weeks until your Cabernet ripens. Just back them up there, Barry. Exactly. It's going to be all right. You're fine. Yeah. Everything comes in at once. It, it's a nightmare. So they got away with it in 2015 and 2016. They were early years, but the quality was, particularly 15, was very special. Was right? really? So they went, oh, that was a nightmare, but look but at it. Look at it. Delicious. It's worth it. And everybody was thinking, I can't do that again. If I have to go through <laughs> that again, oh, it's going to be a nightmare. So thankfully, this year, for us, yes. it's not the same across the country. No, although it seems no. to be kind of a little bit later for most people. Yes. In the Hunter, for example, they've only just started picking their best semi-on. Now, which is about normal. Last right. year, it was well and truly off the vine by now. Yes. So they've been hoping for a cooler, damper summer, which is exactly what we've had. We haven't had the heat spikes that poor old Rosemary's been suffering. Poor thing. Um, yeah. Further north, you know, in in Sydney, it's been a much much hotter, um, hottest year, hottest than, summer on record than we've had ever. So having said that, though, mm. it's still early days. Mm. So even even yeah. though things are, you oh, know, we've got, oh, we've who'd got, be a farmer? Yeah, and we've got and we've got big, and we've also got big rain. Um, and we've got big rain coming. Stage, that's exactly right. Which, yeah. uh, which makes the uh, the winemakers a little bit nervous and reaching for where are those fungicides in the back of the shed? That's right. So as long as everybody's had their spray paint, getting their copper and sulphur out on the mm. vines, you know, and they're they're going to be okay because it's, it's it hasn't been this incessant uh, wet year like 2011. And I used a little bit of jargon before, which was uh, I was having a chat to one of the plonkers, uh, Duncan Buchanan, and uh, I used the word hen and chicken, uh, which uh, which actually means um, uh, different size uh, berries, does it not? Yeah, hen, so the mother and daughter type thing. Depending on what is happening with the weather at the time that each of the bunches of grapes f- is in flowering, Yes, you can get even ripening on a bunch of, of grapes or you can get uneven ripening. So you get this situation where some of the berries, individual berries, are bigger than yeah, others, some so they're little... called hen and chicken. And, that's, uh, and that can uh, have uh, ramifications for acid too, can it? Can it, it, not? it can actually be a good thing for white wine. It can be a very good thing because you get really ripe flavours in the bigger berries yes. and the less ripe, higher acid, more tart kind of um, wincy kind of flavours in yeah. the little berries. And if you're making a, a white wine that you want that, ripe flavour but freshness as well from the acid it's a good mm. thing is that sort of like what you were thinking about like a hard malic acid sort of thing if, if that's what you're after is but if if what you're wanting is even right flavours right across the board it's not such a good thing if you're making red wine for example it's not necessarily what you want to see done all right uh this is uh, the bottle in front of us than a frontal lobotomy, some said. Um, Max has brought in something uh, which he just sort of glanced at me and said, you know about this? And I went, well, no. Anyway. <laughs> uh, it's so hard to keep up these days. Oh. Isn't it? It Whoa. is insane. I, you go into a bottle shop, you turn your back, and, you know, there's a whole <laughs> new range of wines on the shelf. And that's you talking. I mean, like, I, really? I see myself as pretty much just the wine punter. I hardly ever look at wine lists when I go into um, a restaurant because I just can't be bothered 
No, no, that's not right. Not that I can't be bothered. It's just I'd rather defer to someone who knows. Yeah, yeah. And maybe we might have a chat about that. But what have we got in front of us? So uh, of the many hundreds of bottles that I have lying around <laughs> in my tasting laboratory at home. Oh, my um, Lord. Mental, no, no, mental image, folks. Very, very lucky. People send me wine to taste and, and, mm. in the hope that they might get a good review. Yes. Um, I, I looked at this and I thought, well, there you go. This single bottle sums up so much of what's going on in Australian, in Australian wine right now. So yeah. Okay. What's going on? Remember when we used to do this back in the 90s and we yes. had that lovely pulling the cork Boop. thing yeah here it is there screw it is. cap doesn't sound quite as remarkable. well there's the there's you know there is a sound that is starting to oh that sounds good <laughs> oh everybody we just went oh but um there is a, that that crack if you open yeah oh, but oh, there's everybody a, just stop no sorry. crack sorry I'm, yeah no I'm, crack well, I should hope not. I failed you on the crack. Oh, it smells good. Um, so I thought this was a good Whoa. example. So it's it's a it's what a wine from McLarenvale. McLarenvale yes. is very popular at the moment. There's lots of really um, why. Uh, is there there's, a reason there's for that? A large number of generally mm-hmm. younger, but not necessarily younger, mm. producers who are coming up. A lot of them are working at other wineries, and they're just setting up these little labels of their own. Yes, right? yes. So they're thinking. So they're fruit buyers rather than growers. And there's so much fruit out there yes. because there's been such a glut of grapes over the last twenty years. Man, you know, see, so man. many vineyards have been planted yeah. and the, the industry itself has not necessarily gone as as gangbusters as everybody thought yeah. so if you're a young player in the industry now and you think to yourself i just want to make a couple of barrels or something mm-hmm. i can probably go and find that grape variety that i want mm-hmm. to make those couple of barrels and this is a good case so this is just 56 cases of this wine were made mm-hmm. which is a couple of barrels mm-hmm. it's a wine from a, um, a couple uh, andy and Ange in, in clarenvale um mm. it's called lino ramble Say that again. Lino Ramble. You should probably spell that. What they wanted to do, Lino, as in Lino on the floor, floor, and Ramble Ramble as in crawl across it, like you did when you were a kid. I'm a Lino Rambler. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So one of their wines is called Ludo, because it's a game they played when they were kids. (laughs) Another one's called Treadley. Oh, gosh. Right, so they're really punching all those retro buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but they're kind of... It connects with people, I think, because yeah. we can all associate with those, um, you know, those memories. I was a lino rambler once. This one is called Blind Man's Blind Blind Man's Bluff is what it's called. Blind Man's Bluff. It's 2016 vintage, so it's just a year old. That's a big trend at the moment. Really young, fresh red wines. And the grape is Bastardo. 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 Ah, ah see the Bastardo. John sometimes talks about that. That we'll talk about a a uh, an artichoke that is gone to a Spinoza type thing and go, ah, there's the bastardo. So it's a bastard grape. It's a bastard grape. It's originally from Portugal. Now, again, really? this kind of this goes back into Australia's winemaking heritage. Big fruit. Lovely fruit. This yeah. is, and this very much at the style that is bang on popular at the moment. Mm. Mm. There's so many new grape varieties that have been coming into Australia in the last 10, 15 years from Italy, Spain and elsewhere. But yeah. we've also got heaps of varieties that have been grown here for ages yeah. because Australia used to make Makes so much port. Well, that's all we did because if, if you drank anything other than port, you were a bit sus. And where do you make port originally? Rubber Glen. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought in this country. In no, I was waiting country. for you to go in this country. Port. All over the place. McLaren, yeah. Valbarossa, yeah. other than here. So Bastardo, along with Turiga and other grape varieties originally from Portugal, has been grown here for a long time. Yes. These guys go, wow, that's actually, look, that's a grape that produces these beautiful kind of purple berry fruit flavours. Let's yeah. make it into a red wine too. Just in the same way that a whole new generation of winemakers in Portugal is thinking the same way. Really? So it, this is very typical of... Synergy what's happening in Australia, but it also shows that there's a kind of global movement for young, adventurous, little small batches of wine, yeah. reasonably priced, yes. no oak, no, no new no, oak, no, no, not too alcoholic. No. You know, it's a wine that's designed to be drunk now. Keeps the prices down. 30, um, 30 bucks. 30. Okay. <laughs> So you you just got so I ruined I, it for you, haven't I? You were expecting what were you expecting? Hey, fifteen bucks. <laughs> I was hoping. <laughs> Sorry, thirty. But this, 30. okay. So I'm thinking. Yeah, but you know, thirty bucks Friday evening. You're coming home from work. You know, you, there's two of you. Thirty by fifteen bucks each. You get. You know, there's four of you. Red, Buy a couple of red, bottles. Red pasta. Tomatoes? Pasta, any pizza, pizza chorizo, treats. any of those kind of you know really vibrant, beautiful flavors that we all cook and eat at home. What do you think, man? It's it's good. It's really um it's a really nicely balanced sort of uh 
mid red wine. It's not big at all. You could um, you could drink a lot. Exactly. A num- good number of glasses of this. Could one of the things we can, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think, think I, I want could, to right I, now. I think we probably, we probably could. You know, one of the things we can thank with the um, the, uh, the the death of uh, tobacco production in this country is the bringing in first of all of Italian varietals, which have sort of paved the way for wines like this. Would you say? Absolutely, yeah. So mm. you mean that, that all the growers... Like the King... Well, thing, so specifically yeah, yeah. King Valley, which used to be a tobacco-growing area, and, uh, you know, the Del Zottos, the Bazzini said, well, what the hell are we going to do? Um, let's put some Italian varietals that we do. And now that we think we don't... We can think about Prosecco, and we understand Prosecco now. That's that's one thing that's happened, and I would say that's paved the way for wines that we are seeing here now. Absolutely, and and as I say, that in each of each region around the country, there are these traditions. So, for example, some of the uh, most interesting Western Australian wines that I'm having at the moment, same deal, small producers worked for other wineries, set up their own label, mm. kind of thing, uh, are being made from Chenin Blanc. Yeah, Chenin. Chenin that's a thing, isn't it? It's really trended. The sommeliers love it because yeah. it produces wine. You were talking about acid before. Yes. Chenin Blanc produces white wines that have this lovely line of acid through them. Mm. And and people think who aren't into wine think, oh, acid, that sounds bad. Actually, without that acid, wine tastes really flabby and soft and yeah. Yeah. cloying. Yes. You need the acidity from the grapes to give you freshness and liveliness on the tongue. Chenin has this lovely line. You take a glass and you think, oh, oh I feel alive. I feel good. I need to have something to eat again. Yes. Now, and another plate, another glass of that. No. And that's one of the great things about Italian wines is that they do acid so well, do they? And for a lot of Italian wines, they make no sense at all. Without food. Without right. food. Um, just we've got about a couple minutes left, Max. Very, very quickly, um, wine glasses. Do you have, like, we have this, I have this sort of matrix-like imagination of you. I need a glass, lots of glasses. And, and, and you pull this thing across and the library goes and there's just all these glasses. How many glasses do you have? A little robotic arm. Yes. Select, <laughs> yeah, select my glass. Yes. Old Bordeaux. Quick. Uh, I just use the same glass over and over again. I, I think all that, I mean, I, I love using beautiful big glasses and mm. changing the shape of the glass for each grape variety. That's, that's fun. Yeah. But I tend to just keep going back to the same old glass, which is one with a, a, a big bowl. Yeah. As long as you can get a big bowl, you can get and swirl it around. Swirling makes no noise, so I can't really can't do it. That it, on it, the it radio. But the trick about big bowl wine glasses, of course, is you tend to drink more. Yeah. So just watch out for that, kids. There it is. Uh, there's the RSA at the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen, and what a great thing it is. We're back, and what a wonderful thing it is. But what a wonderful thing it is to have someone of the calibre of Max Allen uh, to come in. Thank you, Max. Thanks. No, come on. No, that's no, actually... No, you, 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 I know, do. No, I love, no, I love so. the way no. you wince. No. Now, are you going to go to the Garlic Festival and see your old... Uh, uh, China plate corn dog? No, I eat enough garlic at home, thank you. Do you? <laughs> no, it sounds fun, though. It does I mean, sound like yeah, fun. Yeah, it sounds like great fun. Um, yeah, it does indeed. And um, uh, let's see, what have we got uh, uh, next week's next show? Next week on the show, Cammy, we have... Uh, We've got Guy Grossi. Mr. Guy Grossi, one yes. of Melbourne's finest chefs uh, coming in. Yes. And we also have the authors of a new... Uh, Vegan oh, yes. cookbook uh, oh, coming and joining us. Amazing. Don't be scared of vegan food, even if you're a meat eater. It's excellent. Yeah, don't be so silly. It's, um, it's all valid. Um, mm. Smith and Daughters, they're going to be coming in. And uh, we're speaking of the Plonkster, we might have a chat to... Uh, to D.B. Cannon, perhaps. Yeah, when, when he comes in. Mm. 12.59, 40 seconds. We've got about 20 seconds left on the show. And it's my delight to say that coming up is Sunday lunch uh, with Jess Lilly and Marita Dyson. And they are doing... The streets of your town. I wonder what intro they might play with that. Um, connecting places and people over time across our vast land. So we're talking its history, hmm. and um, it should be a, a great hour. So stay tuned because it just gets better and better. Hmm. Listening to three triple R in the afternoon. Where else would you be? We're going to go because it's after one. Matt, lovely to see you. Likewise, we'll be back next week. Max, a delight to see you. Thank you so much for coming on the first show. You're welcome, Ken. Lovely. And what a smile. (laughs) All right, we're going to leave you with that. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next week. This has been a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.